Kia ora. welcome to Under the Checkered Flag, MotoGP edition. I'm your host Kate, and we're just going to jump right in. Kia ora. Today, welcome to Under the Checkered Flag, MotoGP edition. Hosa I'm your host Kate, said and we're just going to jump right in. hadn't really been following Shakedown after I messaged saying, hey, we all good to record about a Shakedown summary. So I will ramble away by myself. Let's start with what could possibly be the biggest talking point of the season. Although we do need to keep our priorities in check because what happened is Pedro Acosta, the rookie Pedro Acosta, topped the final day of the Sepang shakedown. And he topped it really impressively too with a 158.189. So that would have actually put him P9 in testing for 2023. So that's quite a remarkable performance from him. He came just ahead of teammate, well, testing teammate, I suppose, Paul Espargo. Now, over all three days, KTM had a clean sweep with Danny Pedrosa topping the timing on day one, Paul Espargaro topping the timing on day two, and as I mentioned, Pedro Acosta topping the timing on day three. Admittedly, they did have three riders on track, whereas some of the other teams only had two, some only had one, some had four, I believe would have been Honda. But it's exciting to me because I really do want KTM to be up there at the front, giving the Ducatis absolute mayhem. Because we do still have the eight Ducatis on the grid. It does look like VR46 wants to sign, Ducati for another year so it would mean that in 2025 there'd still be eight Ducatis. I'm still keeping my fingers and toes crossed that that doesn't happen, that VR46 do go back to Yamaha and whether that happens I suppose will depend quite heavily on the results of the Sepang shakedown and the Sepang test coming up because that'll show whether Yamaha are really serious about throwing absolutely everything they have at this project. But getting back to KTM, this manufacturer seemed completely lost one year ago. I remember coming into the 2023 season and everyone was just like, oh my gosh, KTM are nowhere. They're just so far behind. And then they showed up to the first race and they were right up there, like right up there. And that seemed to come out of nowhere. So it's quite interesting that this season so far, all three days of shakedown testing have shown some good results. Hopefully that continues onwards and they continue to develop. We did see some new aerodynamics from them, which obviously is going to be quite a big player this year in terms of development and things like that. And if you are watching this in the video format, I am just doing an image dump from all the images I could find, just so you got something to look at in regards. And we did see the comeback of that zebra livery. So KTM are definitely trying to hide whatever it is they are doing on the bike. And while KTM certainly came away from this weekend looking like the strongest, it's Honda that looks to have made the most absolutely radical changes. The bike that we saw at the Valencia race this year was not there. 
the riders have come out and said that they've been given multiple bikes to try and that bike that they were prototyping I suppose for the 24 season that Marc Marquez didn't like it's not there they've just come in and they've gone okay let's start this all new basically which I think is really exciting just having a very brief look at the images of the Honda it does look like a completely new bike it looks much longer much more in line with the other bikes on the grid in this modern era where they're sort of shorter and longer so I'm really hoping that shows some positive momentum for Honda. I believe it was Joanne Mir that said that one of the bikes that he was testing was based on the one that they had at the Valencia test and it had a more powerful engine, aerodynamic things, all of that but he said something to reporters that really stuck with me I suppose and that was that there was a noticeable change within Honda itself. So I'm a little bit unsure whether it's in terms of the management structure, how that side of thing works, or whether it's to do with the fact that they're clearly showing the riders that they are really trying something, anything, and just pushing their the riders' thoughts all the way through to delivery, basically. So showing them every step of the process. But all we need to really focus on is the fact that they are committed, completely committed to this project and they're throwing the book at it. They're doing absolutely everything they can to become competitive again. And a positive sign for this would have been the fact that Joanne Zarco was the top Honda rider and he finished only two tenths of a second behind Pedro Acosta in P3. It was Fabio Quattararo who was right behind him and I'm a little, actually I'm a lot disappointed in what Yamaha seemed to have brought into the fold, which does worry me quite a lot because as I said just before, it's Yamaha that I want to get those two extra VR46 bikes. It's them that I feel needed to come to this Sepang shakedown and the test that's coming up with radical ideas and radical changes and thinking about it this was Yamaha's first test because these new concessions had the Honda and the Yamaha riders on track so it really was the very first test and not only that given the fact that shakedown timings aren't released and it's a lot harder for press and photographers to get in this would have been the time for them to really throw all the interesting ideas they may have onto the grid because that way their other teams aren't going to be seeing them and seeing the innovations that they're coming out with and the developments so very worried in that sort of sense that being said we did see them go out with a rear wing much like the original ktm rear wing when it just had that one little groove and we did see some other aerodynamics and we were told that there were some engine upgrades but overall i'm still incredibly worried that yamaha does seem to be still stalled a little bit admittedly they weren't as far behind as the honda was at the end of last year so 
Maybe I'm being overly concerned when I don't need to be. But we'll just have to wait and see. I think if nothing comes out from this testing that's coming up later in this week, we're going to hear about it, especially from Fabio Quattararo, because he will be one of the first chips to fall, I suppose. He'll be the first one to be like, okay, I need a new ride. Aprilia, what have you got? basically because realistically Aprilia and Honda's sort of the only wet places I can see him going everyone's going to be wanting to hop on a Ducati but unless it's a Prima Pramac Ducati they're not really going to want to you know hop onto a year old Ducati they're not Marc Marquez they're not that level of desperate actually maybe Fabio Quartararo is that level of desperate I'm yeah, we'll just have to wait and see. But if rumours are to be believed, that Premac lineup's pretty much set. Although Jorge Martin could still jump ship, it does sound like Furman Aldegar has secured himself a seat at Premac Ducati. So that adds another little bit of extra spice coming straight into the season, though one of the seats may already be taken by an up-and-comer. So... Fingers crossed Yamaha do pull something out of the hat because they're going to need to, to be able to keep Fabio Quattararo. Moving over to Aprilia. Now, only one rider on the grid because they only have one test rider, unlike KTM who had two test riders and a rookie on the grid. Aprilia, who are in the same concession bracket, they only get the one test rider. So we did see them advancing quite dramatically in terms of their aerodynamics. They came with an entirely new tail, which to me looks like it's going to produce dirty air like nobody's business. You're not going to want to be behind that Aprilia, especially not with these tyre rules being disqualifications this year, which I do think is just going to wreak havoc in the first part of the season with disqualification after disqualification until, I don't know, it reaches a pinnacle and a decision has to be made one way or the other. But it looks and has been rightfully nicknamed by multiple people on the internet, the Batmobile, which is quite fitting considering Maverick Vinales podium performance where he was Batman last year. They've made it so now he can ride a Batmobile the rear wing's a little bit pointy. It's not an additional tail above, which I actually prefer this lower, sleeker one compared to, say, the Honda's Stegosaurus or KTM's Pizza Holder or whatever we're calling it. It looks a lot nicer, in my opinion. They also were spotted with rear wheel covers on the bike and... One other thing is those Formula One style wings that they have at the front. I, I just have to refer to them as Formula One style wings because that's what I think of every single time I see it. Those are now connected to the front of the bike. So last year they sort of hung free, but now on the edges of each of those, the external edges, that now connects up to the bike, much like the way the Ducati front of the bike looks. So it will be really interesting to see what effect, if any, that has. 
but it does look like it must have had a positive effect because once Severdori started trialing this, it's the same bike he ran for the rest of the weekend, or the same package, aero package, that he ran for the rest of the weekend. So he must have had some positive feeling in that sense. We did also see possible upgrades around the swing arm on the Aprilia. We don't really have much information because, as I said, with a lack of media, a lack of journalists, a lack of photographers, we're very limited on the information and the analysis that we can d draw down on from the shakedown. Which is why I'm quite excited for the test a bit more, because it is actually free admission to go to the MotoGP test if you're in Sepang. If I'd known that a little bit earlier, I may have rejigged my holidays this year so that I could just head on in there because it's this technical side of MotoGP and racing that I get a little bit nerdy about, all the technological innovations that just really interest me. But alas, I probably wouldn't have been able to because I am heading to the UK for a little bit and I will actually be attending MotoGP in Hereth. At least, I really, really hope so. I'm hoping to book tickets this week. I'm also hoping to book camping and do it like real old school. I won't be able to ride to the MotoGP race. I think I'm gonna have to wait quite a while till I can actually do that because being on a New Zealand license, in fact, I've done track days and things like that, but I only have my mo learner's motorcycle license for riding on the road because it's all I really need. I've never needed a full motorcycle license. But now all of a sudden I'm like, oh, I kind of want to ride to a race and just experience that vibe as well. And I'm like, oh, I'll actually have to go and get my restricted, then get my full license. It's a lot of work just for like a weekend of vibing. Maybe, yeah, maybe I will, maybe I won't. But I have diverged onto my first tangent of the podcast, so yes. Getting back to Aprilia, it will be interesting to see, come this official test, rather than the shakedown that we've just had, what more developments and what more innovation we see when they have multiple riders on the grid, and whether Trackhouse will be trying new things for the factory guys, as well as the factory guys trying new things, whether it's going to be a complete overview of them all as factory riders, whether they're all going to be trying new things like they do at Pramac and Ducati, like we're starting to see Honda do using LCR to test parts as well as using the factory. It'll just be one of those interesting things and I think that we may see more and more trially things from Aprilia and also the next manufacturer I want to talk about, Ducati. Because Ducati also only had one rider on track, Michele Pirro, who under the new wildcards this year, loses his con um, concessions, sorry, he loses his wildcards. So we won't be seeing him at races unless a rider gets injured, which given the high attrition rate from last season, we can't really rule out. We never do want to see it, but given that attrition rate last year, we do sort of expect that we will see replacement riders needed at one or two races this year. Having only one rider on the grid didn't stop Ducati from trialing a new side panel fairing, but overall 
I'm expecting that we'll see the big upgrades trialed at the Sepang testing, the official testing, when they're going to have their, well, hopefully going to have their eight riders on the grid. I will talk more about Frankie Morbidelli at the end of the podcast because the Ducati factory have been saying that there's this big upgrade or this big fairing, something new is coming and they seem really positive about it. They are talking it up, whether they're talking it up just to, you know, throw some shade to their competitors, make them a little bit fearful. I'm not sure, but they do seem very confident in whatever this aerodynamic upgrade is what it seems to be made out to be on what it can deliver for the bike as a whole. This plus, it sounds like they've made major steps forward in terms of the engine. Both Anaya Bastanini and Peke Bagnaya have been told that it's a really positive step for the factory guys and that it doesn't sound like it will be trickling down to the other satellite teams, the satellite satellite teams, so that being Grassini Ducati and VR46 Ducati. It does sort of excite me that there may be a bigger gap, but I also quite enjoy the fact that the field is so close, partly because it leads to some really exciting overtakes and things like that, but also having that bigger separation may reduce our turn one incidents because goodness knows we've had a lot of them in the last year and with 42 starts this year, it's going to be 42 times in the MotoGP class that I'm hiding behind the couch watching, you know, through my fingers and praying that everyone gets out okay. And I'm not a praying woman. So it's like watching a Moto3 race. It's pure chaos and you just hope everyone makes it to the end without injury. It's like that coming into a MotoGP turn one corner. So really, we all know Moto3 is like the really exciting and adrenaline pumping race to watch. But it's also that expectation of fear and a bit of nervousness. And given the injuries we saw last year, it's a little bit... Makes me, I suppose, a bit more open to the fact that the field could be a little bit more spread out in terms of advancements and speed because of how close the grid is. But I also think that Ducati may run the risk then of being less appealing to Grassini and... VR46 because if Peke Bagnaya gets his way and the satellite teams are further behind it's going to be the fact that maybe Grassini or VR46 do start shopping around. Mark Marquez being on that Grassini Ducati it does raise the question about whether Grassini although they do my understanding is they have a contract with Ducati for 2024 to 2025 so both those two years Whether in 2026 they hop over to KTM because we know they want another two bikes on the grid. It's going to be just another interesting aspect to watch a little bit of. And I'm really excited for it. Seeing what Ducati bring to the table in the official test I think is going to be a much better judgement than what they brought to Sepang. They're extremely limited under these new concession rules with extremely limited testing tyres. 
just having Pero being able to be on the grid at this shakedown, whereas Honda had all their riders there. KTM have two test riders, which actually, I'm going to have to look it up in the rules. Is there a restriction or an allowance of how many test riders you can have? Because we do know we only get a certain amount of test tyres. That being for the manufacturers in Group A, aka Ducati, 170 test tyres. So Group B, 190 test tyres. C, which is KTM and Aprilia, 220 test tyres. And Group D, Honda and Yamaha, 260 test tyres. So is that the only limitation in regards to testing and things like that? Or can they have 170 tyres per test rider and then, heck, just get five test riders in? I'm really curious and I am going to look it up as soon as I'm done recording to find out if there are multiple test riders that can be run like KTM is doing. KTM having both Danny Pedrosa, their, I suppose, long-term test rider, who him plus Jack Miller... And of course, all the regular riders that have been there throughout, like Brad Binder, Miguel Oliveira, Paul Espargaro, they've really helped turn KTM, not around, so to speak, but they've really pushed KTM forward. And they do seem to be the only ones consistently battling weekend in, weekend out with the Ducatis. Aprilia have been up there a bit, but they seem to be up there only when they're strong and then they all seem up there rather than whereas KTM you've got Augusto Fernandez he was you know fighting mid-pack and he was really gaining places terrible qualifying but he'd always do really strongly on the Sundays Brad Binder was pretty much up at the front for most of the season which was quite impressive and so having them up there this season will be really nice as well on another note, we did get the news just before recording this pod that the Prima Pramac Racing MotoGP team have had the medical team of MotoGP announcing that they've decided to postpone the evaluation of Frankie Morbidelli for a few additional days. So the official statement says, This delay is intended to allow for a more comp- comprehensive understanding of his fitness and to determine his eligibility for participation in the upcoming scheduled test days. So if you don't know what happened, all the Ducati boys headed out to a track. Frankie Morbidelli had quite a significant crash by the sounds of it. He was found unconscious in the gravel trap by Mark and Alex Marquez. They did place him on his side and removed his chest protector, opened his visor just to make sure he had that little bit more ease of breathing. We have seen him return to the box at the end of that day, so obviously the injury was significant enough to get him off the track, but he was up and moving about and that sort of thing. To me, the statement does sound like he sustained quite a head knock, probably a concussion, although we know those are hardly taken seriously in MotoGP, but No matter his injury, we just want to say, get well soon, Frankie, and we hope to see you as soon as possible. But it's better to sit out the 
remaining test days because as we see with injuries all the time in MotoGP, especially with the absolute mess that was Marc Marquez trying to come back too early, it is better to sit it out if you are not fit. So get well soon, Frankie, and we will see you as soon as we're able to. I just want to say thank you to Michelin for these photos. I will drop a link in the description below to where I source them from. It is so nice to be able to see high quality images of these beautiful, beautiful bikes, especially when they're testing like this. Journalists are generally not allowed in the pit boxes or the paddock this weekend. We did see a few from sort of like the corporate area, but the photos were not nearly as good quality as Michelin provided. So thank you, Michelin, and thank you, listener. I appreciate it. I appreciate you coming to listen to me and us ramble. We're here every single week, every single Monday, and if you're enjoying it, don't forget to like and subscribe. You have a lovely week, and I will see you next week.